Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And we're live. We're live, folks. We are live. Oh, there you go. That's better. Folks, it's one and only V, the Grill Economist, the, the notorious, glorious one himself. And we are with Dex, the Algo Capitalist. Dex, what's going on, brother? How are you? What up? What up? Good to be back, man. Things Good are going well. Good for you well. to be back, sir. What's what's new? What's crackalacking? Ah, uh, you know that's the good question. That's the million dollar question. What is crackalacking? There's so much going on right now. It's hard to put a particular thumbprint on all of it. You have to take it individually as it comes. But you know, it's a day by day thing, man. Life of the it markets. Is. It is the life of the markets. Where do you want to begin, my man? I mean, there's a lot of movings and uh, shakings, uh, a lot of things that are happening. Where would you want to begin with this uh, market uh, stuff? Well, I say that we probably want to start. Dex, you there? Dex? Yes, I'm here. Okay. Um. Let's see. I believe in a nutshell, as far as the market stuff, I think we're about to see the ramifications of the uh, trade war tariffs. Mm -hmm. And I think those ramifications are going to reverberate around the entire global market space. Yeah. So I think that's what's about to happen. The reason being is because I don't think they really thought things through as far as these tariffs are concerned. Mm -hmm. Every time the government flips the script and turns into a interventionalist capitalistic system, things go left real quick. And that's where we are right now. We're at an interventionalist market, interventionalist economy. The government is trying to manage everything. Mm-hmm. So it won't trades, and you know you end up becoming a master of none. They want to manage health care. They want to manage security. They want to manage parenting, tell you how to parent your children. They want to they, they do everything. They want to be your all in all. And the government's role was never meant to be that. The government is not God. All right. The government is according to some people. It can be God. No, not at all. The government is not God. The government's mandate is to bear the sword. That's it. Right. To that extent. That's it. Bear the sword. And it's it's so far stretched right now into a million different directions that I think that the only logical outcome is chaos. For instance, I've said it before in your show, for those that um, haven't heard it or not familiar with it or new to your channel or to this uh, podcast, the government has changed and morphed 
into a beast that is unrecognizable to our founding fathers. Right. Case in point, I was just having this conversation with my um, with my my wife. We're just talking about you know just how times have changed in such a short period of time, and I had to sit back and really you know contemplate what areas have have changed that maybe have flown under the radar, maybe not not so aware of immediately of its ramifications. And I just looked at, okay, in what way has things changed with these markets? And it was the slightest little thing, and then I realized what it really happened. I'll break it down for you. Okay, so prior to the year 2000, the markets were considered free markets. The market was considered to be its own entity. It managed itself. It did whatever it needed to do when it needed to do it. And you didn't need to manage, micromanage the market or manipulate it so much or so often. So they said, let the free markets run. You know, let prices do what they're going to do. So the efficient market theory ran its course. But then something strange happened. In the year 2000, the tech bubble bursts. And millions of people are crying. And not just crying aloud, but seeking restitution from none other than the government. They asked for the government to intervene hence the word intervention or interventionalist economy or market, they said, we have lost our shirts. We didn't know that we could lose our shirts. We thought the tech thing was the new thing and that we were all going to be rich and stay rich. And so the government said, well, let me see what I can do for you. And here's what the government did. And I'm setting you up so you can see what the government did then, so you can see what the government's doing now, and then you're about to see what the government is about to do and how this is all going to come in for a full uh, circle. So they came in and they said, okay, we have decided that we're going to take you up on your offer of protection. So the people, the average Joe citizen said, we need pro uh, protection from Wall Street. Wall Street made us lose all of our money, all our life savings or whatever. And we don't think we're responsible. We're not adults. We're not responsible for our actions. We're just little sheep children who need to be told what to do and we need to be protected from big bad Wall Street. So the government said, we have taken it to heart and we have a solution for you. You are right in that you are little children that need to be taught and managed and guided you are not responsible for your actions. And so the government is going to take care of you so that you don't have to think, so that you don't have to do research or investigate things anymore. We're going to do all of that for you. And the people wipe the tears from their eyes and the government said, come and lean your crying head on my shoulder. And what did the government do? What was the solution? that the people clamored for. 
The solution was to shut off Wall Street from the common man because it's too dangerous for him. He's too ignorant and stupid to manage it on his own. So we have now an interventionist government intervening into the markets now. The free markets that were free for all are no longer free for all. So they came with all types of legislation and rules such as Dodd-Frank and a whole bunch of other things and they slammed the door shut on the little guy. The little guy had lost his opportunity to strike it rich. He lost his opportunity to gain financial independence. He lost his opportunity, period. The government said, unless you have $25,000 in margin at all times, even after trades have been placed, you will be put on the pattern day trade rule. Your accounts will be frozen and shut down for up to six months until you deposit $25,000 in cash. You will not be allowed to day trade anymore. No longer will you be able to open up a stock brokerage account for, with $500 and day trade a thousand turns in and out in a day. You will now only be allowed to do this three times within a rolling five-day period. That was the next solution. Then they went even further than that. They said, we're going to clamp down on the type of people that can open accounts. So for a period of time, it became almost nearly impossible to open a brokerage account for the, for the small guy. He had to make an, a substantial amount of income per year. Debt to income ratios have to be on, in, in alignment as if he was going for a mortgage application. And then they restricted him after that. And he wasn't able to trade certain instruments like options on stocks and options on futures contracts, etc., etc. They slammed the door in his face. So where was the little guy to turn? The little guy said, I don't believe this. We've been shut out of the market. And the Dow is hitting new highs, and I can't participate because I can't trade in and out the way I need to. What is left for me to do? And they said, I know. I'll just stack gold and silver. So the little guy ran back into gold and silver, started stacking. And then he realized, hey, not all doors have been shut. I can open up a micro forex account, and I can trade the spot metals there. I can trade gold, silver, and platinum and palladium. And I can do it with 500 bucks. So the door has not totally been slammed. They left a window open. So the little guy came into that market and started making a ton of money trading gold and silver spot Forex with a micro Forex account. And also doing this while stacking physicals. And he was happy. But then something else happened. Oh, no. What happened this time? Gold and silver showed off. Like the elders used to say when we were growing up, the metal showed their behind. And so the government said, oh, no. Gold has rallied from $250 an ounce to almost $2,000 an ounce. 
And the little guy has stacked so much of this stuff that he has now become rich. We cannot have this. What did they do? The government said, we have to protect you from yourself. Uh-uh-uh. You're getting rich. We can't have that. They had a backdoor meeting, called in a good friend of the government called J.P. Morgan and another cousin called Goldman Sachs and said, we need you guys to put a lid on this thing and keep it there. They said, aye, aye, Captain. And they went in and they started shorting thousands of contracts on these thinly traded gold and silver futures markets, manipulating the price and keeping it under pressure. Simultaneously, while that was happening, the government said, okay, that's it. It's time to bring in the Glass-Steagall ceiling, glass ceiling, and we need to reinforce Dodd-Frank. And now the little guy, we're so sorry to tell you, you can no longer trade spot metals with your micro forex account here in the United States of America. And intraday, without warning, those that had positions on got kicked out of those positions. Win, lose, or draw didn't matter. The government threatened, and all the brokers had to act immediately, and they did. People lost thousands of dollars instantly when that happened. Government didn't care. They said, we have to protect you from yourself. Isn't this what you asked us to do back in 2000? Here it is, 2011. We're just doing what you told us to do. Yeah, it's a decade late, but we're still doing it. So that door was slammed. All right, 2011, people are like, oh my goodness, what are, what are we little people going to do now? They made it impossible for us to have access to these markets. It used to be you could open a brokerage account for 500 bucks and trade all day long, trade whatever you want to trade. Not anymore. It used to be you could open up a commodity futures account with 1500 bucks and trade whatever you like. The margins were very, very tiny, so you could pretty much trade anything you wanted. Not anymore. So the people rose up this time and said, enough. When we asked for you to intervene in 2000, we had no idea what we were thinking. We must have been drunk or high or both. Mr. Government, we no longer want you to control or rule over us when it comes to the free market. Therefore, we are going to create our own market. Enter the stage left is Mr. Cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, 2011. Bitcoin is here. Not too many people are aware of it. Those that are are able to buy in for pennies on the dollar. And then something strange happens. Enter the year 2015, 16, 17, and 18. You have Bitcoin millionaires now, people who invested small amounts of money back in 2011 have now found out that they are rich overnight, or so it seems. Now the government is saying, oh no, what have we done? How did this happen? How could we allow this to transpire? And we must do something about this. Even hip hop rappers made millions of dollars. And they didn't even know what they were doing. They just bought some, heard about it, and that was it, and forgot they even had it. 
And it was like, oh my goodness, look at this, I'm rich. The government said, now you know we can't allow the little guy to get rich. What did, we, we stopped, we thought we, we, we handled this in 2000 when the tech bubble bursted. And then we thought we handled this in 2011 under the Dodd-Frank and the, and the Glass-Steagall. What is going on? How did this happen? We got to get ahead of this. They found it very difficult. So the government did what the government always does when all else fails, threatened with the full might and power of the U.S. armed forces. They contacted all the banks located overseas and said, you deal with one more American client and we will start to drop missiles and bomb you back to oblivion. They said, okay, fine, we don't want none of that. You don't need to come in here and drop any bombs on us. We will go ahead and quietly say we are not going to accept American clients. And then they said, okay, we can't stop here. What about these exchanges located in the States? Oh, that's very simple. All you need to do if we want to you know, stop this, we, we're not just going to come out and just strong arm them and bully them. We're not going to use guerrilla tactics. No, we don't even have to threaten them at all either. Just use the paperwork that we have. That's right. The U.S. government is very astute and using something mightier than the sword, and that is the pen. They can jam you up with paperwork and hurt you worse than if they were, were to shoot you with a gun. So they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to tell the American exchanges we need full paperwork on everybody. We need their full identity, address, social security number, all of that good stuff. And if they do not comply, then you will not be able to allow them to open that account and trade with you. Oh, and by the way, we're going to start taxing. So we're going to need everyone's tax ID numbers, VIN numbers, social security numbers, and all that good stuff. And if you do not comply, then we're going to bring the military arm of the IRS and we will shut you down. All right? and throw you in jail and hit you with a million dollar fine. So now everyone's afraid because the government has come in with stealth and shut the last beacon down, but not so fast. There's money to be made here. U.S. exchanges said, we want in. There's no reason why we should not take this over and manage it ourselves. Enter December, 2017. It is announced that starting in in, uh, in January, you will see Bitcoin futures traded on the U.S. exchanges. Everyone is excited about this. Yes, thank you for not taking away all of our opportunities to obtain wealth. We appreciate you. Mr. Government, you're not so bad after all. Enter the Bitcoin futures. They roll it out just as they promised, but there's a catch. They initiate very large margin requirements in order to trade one futures contract. Liquidity also becomes an issue. And if, that, if that's not enough, they actually put a restriction on a futures contract. No other futures contracts have restrictions, mind you. 
All right. None of them. Those that are offered for retail clientele generally have no restrictions. All right. You can trade options if options are available on those futures. And most futures contracts do have options. You can trade those options. They're liquid. You can have fun with it. And all order types are accepted. Not so fast. The Bitcoin futures has no tradable options market. None. There are no Bitcoin options on the futures contract. Oh, and by the way, they made it so that you can't even really trade it. Guess what? You can't put in any protective stops. If you buy the futures contract, you can't put any stop losses in. What kind of foolishness is that? You are not allowed to use stop orders. None. Zero. Zilch. They will only allow limit orders. If that is not the most backwards and foolish thing I've ever heard in my life, it is. Every futures contract allows stops. That is the only way that you can protect yourself in these super leveraged markets. There are several futures contracts that do not have limits and some that actually do have what is called lock limits. This futures contract is a wild, wild boar. It can do whatever it wants. And there are no stops allowed. So you're basically setting people up to fail. If you want to trade this instrument, you literally got to stay up all night or stay up all morning if you're overseas trading and watching the price. You are not allowed to put in protective stops once you get in. You have to sit there and watch it and day trade it like this is 1999. This is not 1999, but they want you to treat it that way. So basically what they're saying is the little guy has been pushed out of the market yet again because the little guy cannot trade the Bitcoin futures because the margins are pretty steep and or he cannot put in a protective stop loss. Only an idiot would trade a futures contract without a stop. Because when you're trading futures because they're leveraged instruments, you can lose more than what you have in your account. Yes, you can lose a lot more than what you have in your account. It's not like stocks. So this is where we are. Now we bring it full circle. Now the government has yet intervened again and said, we're going to use now tariffs because we're in a trade war, slapping tariffs on everything. As if he's hurting the foreign governments that he's slapping tariffs on. No, you're not. You're hurting the American people. All right, because now you're basically announcing massive job loss and layoffs. You know, aluminum is used in more things than people realize. For the longest time, they had all types of tariffs and stuff on lumber. And that all but killed uh, the lumber the lumber futures contract. So every time the government tries to micromanage something that it has no business dealing in, it always ends in total chaos and failure. Just like Medicaid and Medicare, just like Obamacare, just like any and everything the government has touched. When you get the government out of the way, things flow smoothly. When the government believes it must intervene, things always fall apart. And speaking of falling apart, 
the equity markets are signaling that we may be putting in a top in the markets. If this is the case, and we have a top in these markets, let me tell you, all chaos is going to break loose. And this has not, this doesn't have to happen. But the government is creating this situation, just so you understand what I'm saying. The government is creating the problem. The problem that they're claiming to intervene to fix is apps is actually causing more, more harm. It's making things a million times worse. Just like the government, when they intervened, when the stock market collapsed in 1929, the government intervened. They were supposed to be making the depression that followed short-lived. Instead, they made it 10 times worse, and the depression lasted for a decade, when it only probably would have lasted a year or two. So every time the government touches something and intervenes, it they destroy it. And that's what's happening right now. Our economy is being ransacked. It's being destroyed. It seems like every week a Fortune 500 company is going out of business and they're failing. We're, we're left with like one or two options in, in a given category now. It used to be Toys Us was the place to go if you were a kid. You would behave. You would try to get A's on your on your on your schoolwork. Do whatever it took so that your parents could take you to Toys Us. You can pick out whatever you want. Now they're going away. They're gone. So the next thing on the chopping block is one of my favorite, which is GameStop. GameStop now is in trouble because they are not able to compete with the online purchasing. People are purchasing their video games online rather than going into the store. I like GameStop because if I, if I had to, um, if I wanted to trade in some games, I could get a certain amount of credit for those games. And sometimes, depending on what you're trading in, if you traded enough, you would be able to the new game that came out that you wanted to get, you could pretty much get it for free. But, you know, if that goes away, then, you know, you're not going to have that that medium of exchange anymore, which would pretty much suck. Also, you could buy used physical games for a lot less. If you go online, you're going to pay a lot more, unfortunately, on the used stuff. Most places still want full price for them. So that's going to kind of suck. So basically what we're seeing is a total ramaging of our economy and it's going to be reshaped into something totally foreign to what we know today and it's not going to be changing for the good another thing i'm seeing too is that more and more people are finding themselves in situations where they're losing the jobs that they've had for a long time, They're, they've been well-established, making good money. But because of these tariffs and because of what's happening with the, with the economy, companies that were going to be hiring or stop, they're going to stop hiring. 
and then even going to start laying off people. Now, the president promised that he was bringing in all these jobs, had all these big companies come in and say, yeah, we're going to be hiring. But here's the thing, though. What they're hiring basically is going to be androids because no human beings can, can fit those job descriptions. The majority of the American people that have been hardworking and doing everything right all their life are going to be the ones getting screwed over in this, in this situation. Because what happens is the average person who worked in a government job or what have you, you know, Joe and Schmo, school teacher, whatever, they're not going to have the qualifications for these kind of jobs that they're claiming that they're going to build. All right. So Google says we're going to hire 100,000 people, but they're not telling you what they're looking for is basically some kind of computer genius that has 10 years of working as a computer genius who has a degree in computer geniusology. All right. That's what they're that's what they're looking for. All right. And then the other companies that say, okay, no, we're gonna we're we're looking for Joe Schmo citizen. You don't have to be a genius, we got you. And then when you when you go in to 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 uh to uh take a look at it, to inquire, they want to pay you, you know, eight dollars an hour. And they only want to they only want to give you 20 hours a week. So that's what we are now. Because remember, our government intervened. They intervened and said, you have to have a minimum wage. This is the lowest that you can pay someone to do work. Oh, and by the way, you have to do this. You have to pay that FICA and you have to pay uh, SSI and all these things, all these different fees have to be paid and all these taxes have to come out and blah, blah, blah. And then they have all these other uh, stipulations as well. So they have handcuffed companies from operating the way that they need to operate because the government has come in and said, nope, we're going to tell you how to run your business. We're going to run your business, not you. Here are all these rules that you have to uh, abide by. Oh, and by the way, you got to have universal bathrooms. So male and female does not exist. There's no such thing as a gender. There's no such thing as a man or a woman. Um, the laws are whatever we say they are, and you have to comply. And if you don't, we're going to come in with machine guns and force you to comply, and we're going to lock you up. And that's where we are. So yet the government has an, they have another answer. They have an answer for everything. They say, yes, we know we have intervened. We know we have caused irreparable damage, but we have a solution because we're your government and we're going to keep you safe. We want you to feel safe. So they say universal income. Universal income Believe it or not, unfortunately, this is the only thing the government can do right. They are really good when it comes to redistribution of wealth. No one does it better. They are going to redistribute your wealth. They're going to take from the have and give to the have-nots. So now you're going to be encouraged and you're going to be paid to do nothing. See, this is universal income, you know, for the most part is new 
to the majority of people, but it's an old concept. It's something that's been happening for a long time. It's not the first time that the government has incentivized people to do nothing. It started with the farmers. They would pay a farmer not to grow a certain crop. That's right. Literally pay you not to grow certain crops. While simultaneously showing up at small mom and pop farms with machine guns because they are processing unpasteurized milk. Yep. Because you're you're doing milk the way we told you not to do milk. Not that it, you know, it's going to cause any harm to the public just because you're doing something we told you not to do. We're going to show it with machine guns. And we're going to drag you off your own property and escort you off to jail. That's what's up. So that's where we are, folks. Our government has created the situation, and now they're going to give you the solution, problem, reaction, solution. Universal income is coming whether people want it or like it or not. And it's a sad world we live in because you're not going to recognize it. Also, going back to the whole trade war situation, it should be noted that even with everyone slapping tariffs on each other, I think it's going to reveal more than what the government wanted to have revealed. Let me explain this part to you. Okay. So we slap tariffs on China. China slaps tariffs on us, right? Everyone's competing and doing this. Then Canada's slapping tariffs and Mexico's going to slap some tariffs and all this other stuff. All right. Let's draw things out to its logical conclusion. Okay, so we usually would export massive amounts of soybeans to China. China says, you know what, because of your tariffs, we don't need your soybeans. We're going to buy it from, let's say, India, for example. So we don't need you no more. So what's going to happen to all the soybeans? (laughs) We don't have nowhere to sell it. There's no market for it. All right? So then what's going to happen? Chaos when it comes to the soybean industry. Chaos is what's going to happen. Well, now oil is coming into play. Oil is a little bit more complicated only because of certain players that are involved. Okay? Let me explain. All right. So... For the most part, everything that's been happening up to this point, I believe, has been, you know, PSYOP, all right? The government wants you to focus on what they want you to focus on. But I think the part that we're seeing with these trade war tariffs things, I don't think that they're smoke screens. I don't think they're false flags or PSYOPs or anything. I think this, the tariff trade war thing is real. And I think think what's happening is they're getting 
that you, you hear the tariffs and the trade war thing in the news to gloss over and try to cover up something worse. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. All right. So, all right. When it comes to your own country, a government can pretty much manage whatever it wants because they control the media, the outlets, and everything else. So they can pretty much control that for the most part. But when it comes to international dealings, foreign policy, that's different because you don't control another country and what they do. Yeah, you can frighten another country. You can threaten war with another country, but you really can't control that country. All right, especially if it's a sovereign place. So our government, along with the um, European governments, have decided that we want to protect our interests in the Middle East, and here's why. Do you guys recall back when Obama was still in office that he was bragging that the U.S. was going to enter into the oil trade and that we would be producing our own oil and we didn't need, um, you know, foreign oil anymore. We don't have to worry about being dependent on foreign oil. And it was a really big deal. Do you guys recall that? And they were talking about, you know, all the reserves of oil that we have and things of that nature. Uh, I remember watching on the business channels and they took you to the storage tank facilities uh, out in the Midwest and was showing you you know, the tens of millions of barrels of of oil that we have and all this other stuff. You guys remember that? All right. So it is true that in the commodities markets, there's always storage. All right. There's always storage. And sometimes the storage is, is overgrown. They have to build new facilities to house the stuff because we have so much storage, so much surplus. Uh, the country has, you know, just, you know, Googles of soybeans and corn and wheat and, you know, oil and all this other stuff, right? Anything that's a commodity that can be traded in the commodities markets, we have pretty much significant storage all right, of the stuff. Or so they say, so they claim. All right. I remember also back around 2010, 2011, there was a guy, and his name eludes me at the at the moment, but he had done an enormous amount of research, and he had uncovered and proved in his, in his multiple essays that the storage facilities were a fraud, that the U.S. did not have as much soybeans as they said they had, or corn, or wheat, or even oil. I mean, this 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 was a really well-researched thing. It, it went on for a long time. Forget the guy's name, but when he had uh, proved it, it was pretty frightening at the time. And what gave a lot of credence to what he was saying, because we saw commodity prices soar during this time. Um, you know, the beans were in the teens. 
And it was just just, uh, just amazing. Well, that blew over. Over time, it blew over. No one, nothing really came of it. They were like, whatever. People didn't care. And then another conspiracy came out with um, talking about you know the gold in the vaults. How much gold and silver is in those storage facilities to pay out in case they needed to, in case people want to take delivery, things of that nature. But what people don't realize is that they had futures contracts that were what is called non-deliverable, meaning that uh, at no time will you take delivery because this particular commodity uh, futures contract settles in cash. It doesn't settle in the physicals. So they were really never in jeopardy of that part. But I think what's going to be exposed here with the whole you know, trade tariffs, things of that nature, is the real threat behind this. Now, whether you're on the left side or the right side, doesn't matter. Left side says, hey, we're running out of, uh, of, of oil. We don't have enough. We're at peak oil. The right side says, that's wrong. We have a billion trillion barrels of oil over here at this spot. So it's not true. All right. So what I believe is happening now, if you just look, just looking at the commodities prices in general, is that because the demand is going down, what happens when you have a bunch of supply and you have no demand? Prices fall. And I think that's what's what we've been seeing, and that's what's been happening. Prices are falling. Not only that, but the government has managed to hurt its own commodities business, you know, import for import or export purposes with these tariffs. But they also successfully, what it appears to be, they've successfully killed off the whole cryptomania situation. I know you guys have seen the report now saying that pretty much, you know, the majority of all new uh, initial coin offerings fail within a certain amount of time and that for the most part, cryptos are a bust. Now, that should not come to a surprise to people. If you watch the video, the end of day report I did last night on cryptos, where I showed you that all the major cryptos have been in these protracted uh, downtrends, these downtrend channels. And we already knew that not all 2,000 coins, 3,000 coins are going to make it. That's just business in general. Not everyone makes it. And you can't expect everyone's going to make it. So originally, you know, eventually I think we're going to narrow it down to about 100 coins. And then from there, I think we're going to have like a top 20. And, and that's pretty much what it's going to be, a top 20. And maybe even a top 10 of coins that you're going to have. And that's to be expected. All right? There used to be, you know, 100 computer companies. But there aren't 100 computer companies anymore. <laughs> you know, the people left standing. Or the ones that are still in the stores, when you go in the Best Buy, you want to buy a laptop, you know what you're looking at. You know, you're going to have your, you know, your Apple products, you're going to have your uh, Hewlett Packard, and you're going to have your Acer. You know, those are the, the big three, if you will. Um, that's what's up. So 
I think that these tariffs are going to show us that the next thing that's coming is outright war, real war. I don't mean currency wars. I don't mean, you know, war of words. I'm talking about war of bombs dropping the whole nine. They're, the governments have not been up front with the people. They've led the people to believe that the most important thing is our safety. We have to protect ourselves from the big bad wolf, the wolf of Wall Street, the wolf of Russia, the wolf of Iran, the wolf of North Korea. We That's what we really need to focus on, you guys, is our safety. That's what they tell you. If they want you to believe. I believe in something else. I believe that the natural resources may actually be getting low and or there's something else going on right now. A good friend of mine, <clears throat> excuse me, from the Middle East was telling me some pretty interesting, shocking information about what's going on over there at the Gulf of Hormuz and all that other stuff. And all the big superpowers are over there. They're all there. And there's something going on where the U.S. wants to take down um, Iran because we, they, they want to have access and run their, their, uh, their pipes through the country. All right. They want to run those oil pipes over there. And China's involved. And, and believe it or not, there have been literal threats saying that if this happens, then we're going to war. And then the U.S. says if that happens, then we're going to war. France said if this and that happens, then we're going to war. So everybody's over there talking about, you know, it's like a Mexican standoff right now over there in the Middle East. In addition to that, there's been a lot of talk about what's going on in Antarctica, things of that nature. And people find it suspicious how, um, you know, no one's allowed to just go there and visit. You can't can't take a cruise there, you know what I'm saying, a vacation there, nothing like that. Uh, it's just not open to the public per se. And then there are issues that, that, that came out, excuse me, with the whole space program, things of that nature. And I think that that is also heating up. Um, I'm going to just touch on this. I'm not going to go any deeper. This is for you guys to do your homework and decide what you believe. But I will say that the flat earth situation, there is something there. Now, I don't mean the 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 kooks and the knuckleheads, for some odd reason, our government is really good at infiltrating movements and things and people groups, just like they did with the Tea Party. So there's there's the Flat Earth Society or something, bunch of knuckleheads. They, they make everybody look stupid and sound stupid. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some of the things that have come out about what's going on um, here. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll let you all do your homework because the listeners here on Rogue Money are some of the greatest listeners in the world, some of the smartest people in the world, and I think you guys get my drift at what I'm saying. Um, thank you. So look into that. 
there's something going there's something important going on with the whole Antarctica and Middle East. There's a connection between Antarctica and the Middle East. So you want to take a look at that. All right. That's a, that's important. Also, with the whole Bitcoin thing again, I know I showed you in the video last night. Every time it hurts me to do those videos because I have to show you the bear market and how it's not over yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know that a lot of people want it to be. Same thing with gold and silver. It's not re gold and silver, it's not ready yet. I know I told everybody that I warned about, you know, where we could go with the with the metals, and they're not ready to, to pop yet either. I think they're gonna need to see some some tangible proof about everything that we talked about here in in today's podcast. They they they're gonna wait for the first bomb to, to drop or the first shoe to drop with this whole uh, tariff thing. I think the tariffs are going to reveal just how bad the global economy has become. Not just the U.S., but the global economy is in trouble. And here's the thing, you guys. I do not believe that it's a conspiracy. I believe that they have lost control and that they have forgotten. You know, if you tell so many lies, you get to a point where you can't remember all the lies you told. Well, I think that's where we are here with, with this uh, with, with these governments. I think that we're in a verge of war, you guys. And I think it's war over natural resources. And they're trying to keep that from the American people. Because when war comes, all types of calamity follows war, folks. Disease and deaths and, you know, starvation, all types of things. Food shortages, you name it. Um, and if you doubt what I'm saying, let me hit you with this one little piece that no one's talking about. You ready? Okay. Around the 2010-2011, there was talk about future water concerns and that how the, the, the world was running out of potable water. For those of you that don't know what potable water is, that's water that you can drink. All right? That's clean water that you can drink. All right, potable water. You can use it to bathe, you know, wash your clothes, wash dishes, that kind of thing. And then the world was running out of that. When I heard the story, and that story was broke, it made me think for a minute. I said, first of all, potable water is not a natural commodity per se, like the earth can run out of it. It's, it's not like gold or silver where you can physically run out of that, you know? It's water is plentiful on, on the earth. We have oceans, all right, and seas and rivers. There's 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 so much water on the planet, and there are all types of machinery and tools that that uh, take ocean water and turn it into potable water, drinking water. So there's really no shortage of water. Why would they say there's a shortage of water? And so I remember seeing a. Um, documentary, I think it was Coca-Cola Company, um, correct, you guys can can correct me in, here in the, in the chat, but I think it was Coca-Cola and how they had uh, bought up the water rights at some place they were here on the earth, and the people around them were, were, were starving for water. They couldn't irrigate their, their farms and stuff because Coca-Cola was having all the water diverted to their factories. You guys remember that? Recall that? And it was, it was, it was just terrible. And it, it let me know that 
if they're talking about something like that, that is not a real natural occurrence, then that means that it's something that they're planning and that they're going to allow to happen because they have a problem reaction solution for it. Uh, someone wrote in, in the uh, chat, Nestle. Yeah, I think it was Nestle. Thanks for, for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so think about it. I remember I had, I had this debate, the first Wall Street firm I ever worked at. And I was, I, I was talking to the vice president of the firm, and I was like, you know, I don't understand if America has so much money in other countries, you know, also that are not third world countries, why can't we just go and build these um, water facilities and stuff at places on the earth that don't have, you know, access to that? They don't have the water. And he argued me down as if what I was suggesting was stupid. I'm like, but we spend, you know, a trillion dollars trying to go to the moon and building weapons and all this other stuff, but it only costs a fraction of the cost to build, you know, a water treatment facility in, let's, let's say, Zimbabwe or something. And it was like, okay, who's going to pay for that? And no one's going to do that. That's stupid. Why? And it let me know that no matter what I was saying about doing that, which is good for other people. And the, and the less fortunate, you know, building up parts of the world that are underdeveloped. And let me know that the elitist of the world, they don't want that. They could solve world hunger with the snap of a finger. They could make it so that every country on the face of the earth has potable water. We have 3,000 military bases all over the world. Do you know how much money it costs to build a military base? You could build a water treatment facility for a fraction of that cost. Every place on the face of the earth could have clean drinking water, but they don't want to do that. All right. So it's telling me that they're going to allow things to fall apart because they have a plan. Enter Detroit, Michigan. Enter Flint, Michigan. Remember the water crisis that was exposed in Flint, Michigan? And everybody was up in arms about it and was like, oh my, I'm so shocked. How can that be allowed to go on in, in America, the, the home, the land of the brave, the home of the free, blah, blah, blah. But with all the out crying, at the end of the day, no one really cared because nothing changed. Nothing happened. They allowed them to get away with that. All right. But here's the thing, folks. All they did was expose a scab. Let me say it another way. The water situation in America is like a, a patient riddled with cancer that is metastasized to every organ in their body. Flint is just one place. I'm here to tell you that the water situation in America, America is Flint. Just about every major city in America is Flint, Michigan. And that's and and that's real talk, folks. 
How many times has have you seen it on 60 Minutes and 2020 and Dateline and other places where they go in and say how public drinking water is is a, a crisis and how medication shows shows up in it and they can't filter it out and all drugs show up in it and all these other things show up in it and all that and some viruses that you know that 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 are small enough to travel through and you know through the filters and blah 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 on and on and on. Well, that's been going on for a long time, and it was a slow process, and now it's at a head. No matter where I go, up and down the East Coast, no one can drink the public water that comes out of the faucet. No one. I met a lady at this at the grocery store that has to buy the water like like I do. I I, I buy the I buy the um the um the high pH water you know water now I buy that I have to go to Whole Foods and get it because I can't drink the public water drinking the public water almost killed me I met a lady in the store where everyone in her family almost died they had to have parts of their intestines removed from drinking and they didn't know what was causing all the illness until they until they just hit it oh no Let's not drink the, the tap water anymore. They stopped drinking the tap water and started using the bottled water. And guess what? Healing. All right. So the drinking water that comes out of the tap, folks, is killing people. It's killing you. You have to, you have to uh, avoid it at all costs. I'm telling you some truth. So that's where we are. We live in a society that's falling apart socially, physically, and economically. That's what's happening right now. Very well said, my man. Very well said. Thank Dex, you. Dex, bro, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, I just want to thank all you folks. And, and Dex, tell people how they can follow you and the website they can go for your trading room, brother. Go for it. PulseWaveTrading.com. And on Twitter, I'm uh, the Vulcan at the Vulcan Report on Twitter. Absolutely. With that being said, folks, we are over and we're out. Have a great day.